welcome to the Data Leadership Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony J. Algman. Data is everywhere in our businesses, and it takes leadership to make the most of it. We bring you the people, stories, and lessons to help you become a data leader. We've partnered with Dataversity to provide listeners with 20% off your first training center purchase with promo code ALGMANDL. Go to dataleadershiptraining.com to learn more. Today, in episode 63, we welcome Viral Allen. Viral is the CEO of Clarivine, a company that helps leading brands take greater ownership and control of their data from the start for better decisions, stickier consumer experiences, and increased ROI. Their platform, the Data Standards Cloud, makes it easy for teams to standardize, connect, and control data collaboratively across the organization. Viral, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Anthony. Thanks for having me on. So like we do with all our first-time guests, please take a moment to tell the audience a bit more about your career before Clarivine and how those experiences led you to doing what you do now. Yeah, thanks. You know, I spent about the last 20 years in digital marketing and, and really, when I think about digital marketing, it's really been a experience around data and how data shapes decisions and how does data shapes optimization and um, the creation of experiences within organizations. Um, I spent about the last 12 years prior to joining Clarivine at a company, Adobe, uh, on the experience cloud side there and led strategy and M&A within that company around the experience cloud. And so as I was there, what I saw more and more is as we were making acquisitions and other competitors in space were making acquisitions, it became clear to me over time that while the workflows were being integrated within those applications and across those applications, there was a lot of work that hadn't been done on the data side. And so as I, as I saw this problem kind of continue to compound and as the complexity within the enterprise on the number of applications they were purchasing and, and using, not just from Adobe but, and, or from Salesforce or other big um, software companies, but you know, independent solutions, it became apparent that there needed to be a solution that solved kind of the data problem and some of the data complexity. And that's a big challenge that a lot of large enterprises and especially the marketing organizations are struggling with today is, what do we do with all this data? How do we integrate across applications this data? And so I left in 2018 and came here. At the time, it was just a small company, four people, you know, a couple dozen customers. And subsequent to that, you know, we really kind of reformatted kind of the problem we're solving, extended it to really address, I think, serious problems in the enterprise around not only um, marketing, but really extended experience as you think about content, as you think about products, and as you think about um, campaigns and audiences. So we really are helping them solve in a proactive way data problems that historically have been solved kind of from a reactive approach with, with ETL, which is extracting data, transforming data, and then reloading that data. We really try to help eliminate a lot of that work and enable the business um, and the business users to really help enforce standards and, and create standards uh, that, that allow a lot of that downstream work to be eliminated. It, it Something you said in there really struck a chord with me, and that is the notion that in a lot of the applications that we use in our businesses in the enterprise or smaller organizations doesn't really matter, but it seems like forever, uh, as long as I can think of, the data has seemed like an afterthought for many of these applications. And that's sadly still truer now than I think we think it should be. Like we know, like data is definitely something that people are more aware of, but the way we are building these applications has not yet quite realized 
and and change to evolve to that that the importance that we see in the data itself. Would you agree with that statement? Would you would is that your experience? Yeah, and I think there's a lot of truth in that. You know, I think a lot of these applications are designed with business users in mind. And one of the byproducts of every one of these applications is data. And so data sort of is an afterthought there as, as you kind of as almost an exhaust, if you want to think about it, in a lot of these applications, but really what, mm -hmm. what most companies that are building these, I'm, I'm thinking about marketing and within the enterprise, a lot of companies that are building these applications thinking about user experience, thinking about workflows, which, which makes sense. But there's a whole other side of this now that we're kind of in this new world that I think we've kind of shifted you think about the 2010s as kind of the era of SaaS applications and the growth of this of SaaS. To me, the 2020s is really kind of the era of data. And I think you're seeing it not just as it relates to the data itself, but even within the enterprise, you see the growth of the operations organizations, whether it be data ops or revenue ops or marketing ops. And I think there's this recognition that underlying those applications is this whole layer of data that is problematic. There's it's opportunistic, and there's a great opportunity there. But how do we wrestle that data? How do we structure that data? How do we organize that data so that it becomes actual intelligence that we can use? And there's there's the opportunity to leverage that. And I think standing up, you know, you've seen the last couple of years this emergence of a lot of this cloud-based data infrastructure. You know, the emergence of Snowflake and some of these other big um, uh, data uh, plat or solution providers as that technology has advanced and become much more accessible within the enterprise. I think what you're seeing now is this really kind of this new focus on the data side of things, because as AI and machine learning are, are and these instances are getting stood up and the infrastructure is getting put in place, I think companies are more and more shifting their view of like, okay, wait, we've got the applications in place, but what do we do with this data? How do we leverage the data to, to really kind of take the business to the next level and to be to, to really think through and intelligently how we turn that data into an asset. Yeah, I like it. And I'll assume that you were making a car analogy because I love cars. And so I'm just going to go with it when you talked about data as an exhaust of these applications. And I spent some time thinking about data as if we if we take that exhaust analogy it's almost like we want data to be more of like a turbocharger taking those mm -hmm. exhaust fumes and then feeding it back into the application to make the application stronger to yeah. give it more horsepower more efficiency and there's a missed opportunity if you have an engine of some application without that feedback loop that brings data back in to help that application be that much more effective and i would agree with you i think saas applications in the 2010s were everywhere that was everything yeah. And data is at that cusp now where things like machine learning and AI is, is a bit tricky, but like these things are becoming much more accessible at a much more reasonable price point than they've ever been. And I think that without these kinds of fundamentals in our application architectures, we're going to really struggle to leverage those kinds of tools, which will lead us to whatever the 2030s tends to be about. I, I, I'm not sure, but I do feel like, and maybe like we could even go even further back in history where, where, where the 2000s, the, you know, the establishment of the sensors and the kind of internet of things type of technology where we, we knew we needed to collect this data 
We knew we had applications to do stuff with it, but we didn't really have that full thought that led to the advent of all these services in, in the 2010s. Was, would that be what you would call the 2000s or, or is there something better for, for the 2000s? I'm just yeah, curious. Yeah, I mean, now. I think the 2000s is really kind of, to me, was the late 2000s. I mean, excuse me, late the nineties and the early two thousands, excuse me, late, late 2000, 2000 period was, was really kind of building out the ground, kind of like laying the groundwork for the explosion of SAS, because you saw even yeah. in the, you know, I was, I was at Omniture when, you know, we went public in 20, 2005 and Salesforce was already kind of scaling at that point. Those were the kind of the leaders and it became clear, I think very quickly that rather than these monolithic kind of, multi-user, multi-kind of use case applications, it became clear that you could build SaaS applications that were single use case, single channel, single application, which made people more effective and really made soft, it was a shift in the way software sold because it really sold to these end users uh, versus kind of IT and that kind of shift from IT in, in, and budgets for software into the business side in the functional areas. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that I think has happened though in that time frame was that as we more and more of these applications emerged, it was really around swim lanes, solving problems in swim lanes. And I think that's kind of one of the big things that to me right now has to be resolved and has to be addressed is customers don't engage with brands, businesses don't build in silos. And so as you think about that, there's a need to kind of pull this infrastructure and the need to pull this application layer forward. And to mm -hmm. me, the data becomes a way of doing that because no longer is it enough to have optimization, say, ha ha happening in a channel from data simply generated by or created by that application. That application and those experiences are connected to other parts of the organization that and other applications. And so there has to be um, a way to kind of rationalize that and really extend that that data model. And I think you see the emergence of some of the categories like CDPs and some of these other emerging categories um, that are really trying to address that because there's a demand in the marketplace for that. And I think one of the challenges that, that, that exists though is everybody assumes take the data, put it all in one location, and now we pull everything forward. And we take a very different approach and the way we think about the problem is if you think about the way things scale just historically, you have to have standards in industries, you have to have standards in products in order to create scale. And that's kind of where we, we view where the, we've kind of got it wrong in data is there, we didn't establish standards for the way, think about taxonomies or standards for the way that enterprises identified what pieces of data are they, do they need to collect? How do those, how do we take from these, what are really kind of generic single use proprietary applications that have proprietary data models, how do we generalize those in a way that, and standardize those so that we can bring them together and stitch that data together without requiring a bunch of work, either with down in the pipe data pipeline through um, technology, but in most cases it's people. And that's kind of what we're helping try to eliminate is we believe you got to go to the front end, set the standards in place, because that's what's going to create this ability to navigate these silos. Right. So what what you're talking about is, is, is interesting because it, it does deviate from a lot of the ways people think about data governance or the or even just about building data uh, analytics platforms is that 
I think we are still in our minds. And it's interesting where the technology starts to enable things before the people have really figured out why right. they want what this technology enables. But like we we have that natural reaction, right? To like, let's get it all together. It may not be a data warehouse per se, like it used to be 20 years ago, but now it's a data lake and we're still gonna, let's get all the data together and then we'll figure it out. And well, then we'll worry about the complexity then. But instead you guys are saying, hey, hey, why not get this clear in the places where this is being captured, where it's being created, where it's being used, and then have these standards universally applied within the organization, and then that facilitates all data sharing. Am I am I reading this correctly? It does, because what's happened, yeah, it, it's absolutely the way we think about it is you have to start with standards. You have to really create those up front, because if you don't start with kind of the end in mind, you get exactly where you're talking, which is you drop all the data into one, you know, into one database or, you know, a, a large kind of cloud-based um, data infrastructure. And the problem you run into there is how do you now start joining these? There's not, there's not relationships between applications at the data layer. So you have to actually create those up front in the way that you think about creating, if you want to call it metadata or creating a data standard that helps to create these relationships across the applications at the data, at the data level that just don't exist today. It's it's really interesting because the if you think about applications, right, the data is all in motion in these applications. You're creating the data, you're moving it from place to place. It's it's evolving with the customer journey or, or whatever it is. And then we export all the data. So we lose all of that nuance, all that context from the application. We put it into a database and we're like, let's now make sense of it. You own this database now. Tell us all about it. There's context elsewhere that it, we've yeah. just pulled away that would be really useful for it. And, and I think that I think most folks that have tried to do this centralized kind of enterprise governance finds it very unwieldy because you're trying to do so much from the centralized place. You, you, it's, it's impossible really to, to actually govern an enterprise's worth of data from a totally centralized point of view. It has to be federated, especially now the, the, the amount of applications, the amount of, data sources and, and things. We're not talking about dozens. We're talking about thousands. And that's, I think, where you have to extend outward and then bring back in the data with the nuance, with the context that is useful so that it can then be shared amongst other things without losing that fidelity, without losing those relationships. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you use the word context. I, I was using the word standards, but the reality is, is that there's a lot of context that, and, and what we find in a lot of cases is we go into organizations and the context about experiences, the contents, context around content and other, other things that, that, we, that we help them with, other areas we help them with, a lot of times resides in spreadsheets. So it's mm -hmm. not just a technology problem, but it's a, I'll call it a people problem in the sense that you've got, you've got situations where you have people at agencies, you have people in different you know, geographies you have, you have, and especially when I, where we really, our sweet spot really today is in the very large enterprise. So you think about some of the biggest mm -hmm. brands in the world who are creating experiences, they, they are working with us because they recognize the challenge that exists when you have a, a situation where the average marketing organization itself has between 50 and a hundred point SaaS solutions. And that's kind of, those are numbers that are out there. Mm -hmm. It becomes really, really difficult to, 
just pull all that data into one location and then actually kind of make sense of it and, and line it up and create these relationships and, and connect that data. You have to have the context and what we allow and what we enable brands really to do is standardize that context, if you want to call it that, and onboard that context and get that context downstream into the data layer and into the, whether it's mm -hmm. analytics, whether it's BI, whether it's um, some other cloud-based, you know, uh, data solution, that's, that's where they want to make those decisions. And that's where the data kind of comes to rest and gets, and is they operate against that. And I just want to note, because your guys' focus at Clarivine is in marketing, right? In, in the marketing for enterprises, for brands, and, and what have you. Now, these data problems that we're discussing are kind of universal. Like, it they doesn't are. have to be in the marketing uh, area, but but the words you're using and the the context in which your business operates definitely has that, that kind of marketing focus, which is a common focus for a lot of data professionals, a lot of data leaders, because influencing customer behaviors, influencing um, brand, like these are common uses for data analytics. So I just wanted to draw that comparison yeah. while we focus the rest of this conversation, probably more in this marketing space. There are so many lessons to be learned from this that apply elsewhere. I think it's a fascinating study uh, in, in looking at some of these these patterns. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting to bring that up because that's where we have started, but we have sub customers that have I'll say pulled us in our, you know, pulled our solution and had us, our help, are having us solve problems that are really outside of marketing, even mm -hmm. into sales and other areas, because the, 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 the foundation of the problem we're talking about, which is how do you create context in data downstream where, you know, where, where you bring it to rest and, the, and you're going to, you're going to operate against that. How do you, how do you bring context into that? And so that's something that we really think is, it's an enterprise-wide problem. We've we've chosen and started in an area where you know we have backgrounds and we know well. But what we find, and we've seen this with some of our customers already, we're getting pulled into places that, you know, it's it's one of those things we're having a conversation like, well, wait a second, we have this problem over here, with looks similar to the problem you're solving with for us around the experience or in marketing. Could you help us here? And and that's it, that we're seeing that more and more from the kind of smart some of the smarter customers that we have especially as they're bringing in more kind of architects that are looking at problems, not just marketing problems, but bigger kind of enterprise-wide data problems. That's where we kind of get pulled in. So as you address these these challenges, these problems, is your offerings at Clarivine, is it fundamentally consultative or do you have a product offering or how does your business actually work to help these customers with these these challenges? Yeah, I mean, it absolutely is a, is a, a software solution. I mean, at the core of what we do, is we we provide an application that really and there's a lot of there's a you think about there's a lot of companies that have been built around replacing spreadsheets in organizations and it, with a SaaS application in the cloud that allows you to extend the use of that application globally. So we have you know we have customers that have three to five hundred active users on our solution and and some of those users have no idea who others are because it's it's their agencies are using it or their content teams or their product teams or product marketing teams or mark their actual marketing teams themselves. So it is, um, it's at the core of software solution, but like everything, there is also, you know, the, a people component to this and a process component. So we work with some large systems integrators and some of the large kind of consulting firms that, that help solve more of the 
I'll call it the process or the um, the uh, workflow changes that need to happen. And so it's it is a, it is a people and a process and a and a technology um, solution, which is is to me is ultimately what you kind of have to 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 do to change you know to change people's behavior and change processes. You ha you have to affect all those kind of. Sure, that meant that I would agree, and that that definitely makes sense. Um, you know, in our in our prep session for this uh, recording, you used a a phrase that I really want to dig into a little bit more, and you called that marketing just broadly marketing as a data problem. Can you unpack that for the audience? Because I think that your approach to this is is pretty unique. Yeah. So what I mean by that is, and everyone, and I think everyone recognizes it. It's interesting. I've, you know, I came into this thinking, you know, maybe 20, 30% of the companies out there have this problem. What we're finding is the biggest problems right now to be solved in enterprise around in the marketing, you know, in marketing organizations is really around data. If you see, if you read Gartner or other, other resources, all the data that they're collecting and all the feedback they're getting from from companies and individuals is all around the data problems they're facing. It's like, I think it's like 60% of them, 60% of the companies out there view the ability to integrate data across applications as kind of the number one inhibitor of them expanding or you know kind of growing their business, mm -hmm. and leveraging data. And so what we find is that as we're into these organizations, it's it's every single organization is is dealing with this, and it's it's. I was, I was talking to a company the other day, and it was their it was their kind of teams that work with their agencies, and and they describe what they're dealing with as they said we have a two hundred million dollar data problem with our agencies. And I was, I was like, what do you mean by that? And they're like, well, we just have blind spots. We we have no insight into what's really kind of happening, and the data we're getting from them does not align with the data we have. So there's a huge kind of disconnect, if you want to call it that, in the, in the data itself. And so what, what they're trying to do is get this aligned so that they can extend their data model out into their agencies or other parts of the organization to really kind of create these relationships or these connections to the data. So I think what you're seeing right now is a realization that, that this problem exists globally. And it's funny because we'll go into some organizations and they will acknowledge, yeah, we have a huge problem, but we think the data is probably 60% accurate. And so we've kind of learned to live with it and we make decisions based off that. And I think that was probably sufficient for a, for a long time because everyone, you know, I think of data in some ways creates an arms race. If everybody's operating the same kind of that same level of understanding, you, you kind of can get by. But I think what's happening now is more and more organizations are really kind of being proactive and, and taking this to that next level saying, listen, 60% accuracy or 60% of our data being um, usable because of the data, the, it's, it achieves a certain bar of data quality is just no longer going to be acceptable. And I think that's what you're seeing now is this big shift of, of people starting to kind of realize, wait a second, what we were doing was just not, not good enough for where we really need to go as a business. And I think the emergence of CDPs, and like I said earlier, some of these other technologies are, are, I think people are starting to recognize as we stand up these technologies, there's a huge amount of services work that has to be done to get them actually stood up. And that's where they're rec recognizing it's really data work that's happening there to get these, these solutions to, stood up. And so anything they can find that cuts that time or cuts that lift 
is a huge value win for them. And if they can not only solve it, you know, you know, backdate it, but also solve it proactively going forward, that's even a bigger win. And that's kind of where we where we find is there's a sweet spot in that in the in the in the business itself and the enterprise to, to solve those problems. It it definitely it makes logical sense and, and the notion of, of needing to improve data quality to be competitive, I think is a um is one that is is one that we can understand. I think about like my days in the in the trading industry, where if you had better performance and you know reduced latency to the exchange, that's going to help you across everything. And and as you were talking about that, it it, it made me occur. Now I, you've you worked for uh, Ancestry uh, at a part, yeah. point in your career, and I think about it a data example that I actually have from Ancestry, in that. I, I think about this in, in a broader context, but the, the question is like with improving data quality, we also may recast what we thought we knew at previous points, and that can cause unintended consequences. And so the example that I have from Ancestry is I did one of the, the uh, genetic testing yeah. to get my um, ethnicities and, and all of that, and and it was kind of all over the place, you know, European descendant. It's, it was kind of all over the place, but kind of looked at it for a while, lost interest, came back to it a few months later. And they're like, Hey, we've got better information now, or we've got better analysis. You're no longer predominantly what we told you. You were predominantly six months earlier. You are actually something else. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. And as a data person, I found this especially fascinating, but I also realized I'm like, wow, this is going to cause some people some concerns when they're like, how, at what level can I actually trust it? And even though I have a hundred percent confidence that the new information is better than the old information, it still has, I have to get over that, that data trust issue because now we have a higher degree of confidence where we've seen some different answers. So have you encountered parallels like that through the work that you've done? I have to imagine you oh, have. Yeah, yeah. We Can see you give all... me some examples or how do you manage that? Yeah, because yeah, we see it. We actually, so it's interesting. What what we see is this, is that in a lot of situations, we'll be brought in and, you know, it's not just about them saying, hey, okay, let's stand, let's stand your solution up and let's start addressing data quality going forward. They actually want to backdate or go back and say, listen, we've got problems and it, and it manifests itself when you think about, you know, if, you, if you're familiar with analytics or BI, there's there's always this bucket of unknown or unspecified data that sits, you know, as you run reports, it sets off to the side. And sometimes that unspecified number gets up to 40, 50% of the data. And mm -hmm. so what we find very quickly is when we get stood up, if they're standing us up globally, what you'll see sometimes is companies will take a global approach. So like, listen, we want to stand you guys up globally, they'll, they'll go across the, the organization, get everybody prepared, go lights on, and then overnight, everything changes. So all that unspecified data overnight just goes away, like literally down to mm. less than a percent. And we've seen that with so many of our customers. And what that allows them to do is, again, it, the, the decision-making and their ability to make better decisions goes way up. The other thing that we see in a lot of cases is there are, there are other uses for the data that they're that they're collecting downstream. So whether it's machine learning or, or you know whatever they're doing in other other parts of the organization, what we other, the other thing we see happening is they will hear about these improvements that are happening in analytics or in BI because of the kind of contextual data that is now being ingested from us into these solution into these other applications, and immediately 
these these folks will come to the table and say, wait a second, how do we get access to this? And, and so, you know, we have transformation capabilities within our solution to allow the data to be transformed, that this metadata, if you want to call it that, or contextual data that, that we sent to them. So we, we find that it's it sort of becomes, in some ways, this idea of and a realization that we actually can affect, we actually can proactively affect data quality becomes something that I think in some ways people have not before really had the opportunity to experience. And so once you turn that on, people, there's other people in the organization that kind of come out of the woodwork that, that I don't even think, you know, like the analytics folks or the BI folks didn't realize these people even existed in other parts of the organization are like, wait a second, how do we get access to this? And so we see that phenomenon happening. But the other thing is we just see a lot of, you're right, it does sort of create not a rewriting of history, but it creates an improvement of the results. And, and a lot of people want to look at it. Not We don't want to look back and change what happened, but we want to change the way when we do year-over-year comparisons or other sorts of comparisons to make sure that the data we're comparing this year to last year both are accurate. So there is a there is this desire to go back and clean up and affect data quality, if you want to call it retroactively, but also enforce it going forward. So we see that in a lot of our customers in a lot of situations. And I to be fair, I think that the right answer is never going to be like, oh, let's slow roll how we improve data quality. That is not the yeah. answer. I like the fact that you're going to say, okay, we're going to do the best we can with quality because at the end of the day, the the fidelity of the, the information will always lead to better understanding. Like you, there's no situation where better data quality leads you to a worse scenario. The question though... I think is is more like change management. It's yeah. like how much pace of change can people handle without getting overwhelmed by it and and what have you. And that to me, that's a data literacy problem. That's yeah. a that's a education of the data consumers and creators and governors that are involved with the data have to have the skills that are necessary to manage a higher fidelity amount of data quality. It's not simply saying, hey, the data is great. Now there's no nothing new for you to do. Everything just gets easier. It's actually harder in many ways to have an elevated standard of data quality because the expectations of everybody else becomes that much higher too, or otherwise you become the weakest link and you start to degrade the quality from the data that you're working with because you're used to it being, you know, pretty, pretty bad to begin with. And now you have to be as, as good as the quality of data that you're working with. And I think that's something that a lot of organizations are just not prepared for at all is once we do get the data better, what do we do then? We're not ready for this. Yeah. And I, and I think you're, there's some truth in that, but, but I, what I will say is that, if you're already doing the work in some ways, doing the work with better tools is it makes in some ways makes the job easier. I, I think it, it does yeah. raise the yeah. bar and the expectations as well, which is I think always a challenge to manage. But the reality is is that the way we see it is providing better tools is never a bad thing. And mm -hmm. and I think that's I think what what's happened though for a long time is there was a sense that the better tools come from the data engineering and the data science folks that can clean, can, can almost create data quality after the fact. But I think what you hit at earlier is really true, which is, but they're trying to do without all the context and the context sits on the business side. So if you can bring the two of those together, and, and I, was, I was speaking to somebody that's one of the CTOs at Deloitte Digital, and he said, you know, 
really what you guys are creating is a bridge between the quants and the creatives that hasn't existed before that allows this common kind of understanding of context to exist and to be utilized across both sides. And, and that's one of the things I think we really are trying to, to help companies realize. And I think for some companies, there's this belief that there's this, you know, this like how, you know, there's, there's, there's some skepticism because they've, they've struggled for so long to really kind of, you know, resolve this problem. And I think, I think that's, that's mm -hmm. where I think a lot of people sort of have given up on some of this stuff, especially as, you know, especially as the two sides are not coming together, there's a little bit of like, we throw the data over the wall, you guys have to clean it up. And they're like, the folks on the data side are like, wait a second, this is, we were brought in and we were trained to analyze data and drive better results, not to clean data. And that's, they're spending a lot of their time cleaning data. And it's just to, to us, the more we can help eliminate that and bring those two together, build a bridge. That's what this is really about, because that's where the enterprise is really going to embrace holistically kind of this whole idea of an enterprise-wide or a company-wide data strategy and alignment around data. And that's, that's to us what has to happen and where this needs to go. It makes me think like you're much more likely to cut yourself with a dull knife than with a sharp knife because the knife is more likely to slip from what you're using or what have you. And it, and it kind of, I think data quality may have some parallels there as well is that it, to your point, better tools, if you're doing what you need to, but you have better tools, it, it's a better scenario under yeah. under most circumstances. So maybe that's the a better analogy to draw. Well, I, I, I tried to pull at the thread of thinking logically, okay, can we be... Um, Un, you know, unprepared for this improvement that we've seen elsewhere. Well, yeah, that's that's yeah. definitely a possibility. But I think that the benefits, almost without doubt, will outweigh those additional data literacy or training challenges that you're going to have. These are the problems you want to have, right? Like these are the challenges that you, that you want to rise to. So that that makes sense. Yeah, and I, and I do think there's there's this we we find sometimes that. You know, there's, there's, especially because of the pandemic, what we're seeing, and again, what we're selling into the enterprise, into the marketing organization, there's been a number of verticals where teams have cut back their staff because of, you know, as things slow down, there's certain, there's certain verticals where things accelerated, but there's a number of them that things slow down. And so as the pandemic has kind of come about and we've kind of been living through this, what you're seeing now is a huge leap forward in digital. So there's a lot of companies that are saying, wait a second, we've got to step way forward during the pandemic and we've got to do it with fewer people. Where we sometimes see challenges is, how do we prioritize this relative to other things that we're doing? And that's mm -hmm. always kind of, I think, you know, it's always one of those challenges of how do we prioritize quality ahead of operating and con continuing to, you know, we, I've got my day job and this sounds like something in addition to the day, my day job. And that's, I think, something that we, we hear sometimes from people is, we just don't have time to address this right now. And that's, that's, what's interesting is because it's kind of like saying we just don't have time to really solve data quality and data integrity, which to me is it, it's real, but it's, it's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting, I think approach or if you want to call it kind of in some ways it's kind of like we're, we're, we're got, we've gotten comfortable with the way things are a little bit of like uh, organizational entropy, if you want to call it that. 
Yeah. And I think that I can speak for the data leadership lessons audience in this one in that we have to believe that doing data work and being a good data steward and, and interacting with the data appropriately and, and even to some extent cleaning and data quality and, and those kinds of things are parts of our jobs like that yeah. we can't say oh we we already have our day job this has to be integrated with the roles that we already have in our organizations where we've just been deficient in understanding this previously doesn't mean we don't ever have to do it, it it's it's becoming an important part of all of our businesses at this point i don't i don't know how we can expect our data to drive business and expect our people to not have data responsibilities. Like that, that just doesn't resonate. Yeah, but I, I agree with you, Anthony, but I think the, the challenge there is in some cases is it's a, it's a view of who owns that, right? There's always been this mm -hmm. view of like a little bit of kicking the can down the road on the business side saying, hey, we need, we need good data and we need good quality data, but like that's not our responsibility. That's really the data team's responsibility and the analysts to get that data to us. And I think what we've, we really help a lot of organizations realize is like, listen, actually, if you, if you think about solving this problem in a different way, which is a much more proactive way, you've got all these folks out there that are essentially using applications that are generating data, that are creating work downstream. What if you put that around and, and create an, you know, a way for them to solve a bunch of this upstream? It, it just reduces that downstream work. And it actually now, like I said earlier, it kind of creates this organizational approach, enterprise kind of enterprise level approach to solving data quality, which is a very different, I think different paradigm from the way we've traditionally thought about it, which is it's the data people and the analysts that have to fix this data. And they are, but if they have better input and in the context, it makes their jobs a lot easier and it's you know quicker time to insights, higher value, uh, uh, outputs and, and results. So that's, that's kind of, I think the paradigm shift that has to happen and is starting to happen. Well, if, if we think back to the beginning of our conversation, where we were talking about some of the deficiencies in the application architecture, not being data centric, we see that reflected in the people and their interpretation of their roles and responsibilities. And so it's not just applications that we're trying to solve for it's, it's people's understanding and, and set of responsibilities that we've created through our organizational structure. So all of these things kind of have to move in sync to really solve these challenges up front, which we also agreed is the only way we can solve these challenges because it's, it's completely impossible if we've removed all the context and yes. then put it all together in one central area somewhere downstream. Like that's just not, it hasn't worked so far. It's not going to work in the future. It's only going to get harder than it is now and it still doesn't work. So definitely think we're, we're onto something there. Now in the, in the last couple minutes that we have here, the, an, an area that I think is especially interesting also that we talked about in, in our prep call is this notion of integrating data in mergers and acquisitions. And so thinking about now we've talked about like these, these you know, how we are evolving organizations that we're thinking of relatively static, like we're, we're doing our operations, we're doing our thing. But now let's throw in the complication of massive changes, you know, merging, acquiring other firms, dealing with those kinds of consequences. How do we take what we've just been talking about and kind of, expand it to this world where you're you know apples and oranges trying to make it work harmoniously yeah i mean it's, it's interesting it's one thing if you're you know if you're a company acquiring other organizations that already have you know a large data asset 
and you're trying to bring those two together. But what's interesting to me is that in some ways, you know, the software software vendors themselves are kind of pushing their deficiencies on the data side on to their customers. So what I mean by that is, you know, when I was at Adobe, we did a lot of, like I mentioned, we did a lot of work at the workflow level and in integrating applications and the organizational level when we when we'd acquire companies. It's the same as Salesforce and other other, you know, SAP other companies, Oracle. What wasn't happening though was there was not a lot of work because it's it's difficult because you have to rewrite in some ways the whole application because it's it's foundational, it's the data model. And to me, what's it, what to me is what's very problematic is when these organizations come in. You know, these large software vendors. You're buying multiple applications from them, and it's like, yeah, they're they're integrated, which they are in a lot of cases at the workflow layer, but not at the data layer. And, and we're seeing it now as Salesforce and Adobe and others are standing up CDPs. You talk to anybody standing up the CDPs, and what they're going to tell you is the biggest challenge we have is the amount of services work required to get the data into a format and, and that we can actually leverage it inside these applications, even within the applications within the, that particular vendor. So even within the walls of Salesforce or the walls of, of Adobe. So it's one thing for companies to acquire another business and then have to go through this process of kind of integrating data, which is a huge lift. But it's to me, it's even worse when you're kind of getting this thrust on you by a solutions provider that really Yes, they've integrated, but th th that term integration, you know, integration and integrated is used very loosely. Is it maybe a good way of saying it um, as it relates to how 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 this actually comes together? Does your offerings does uh, does Clarivine have specific functionality tied to these kinds of mergers and acquisitions or is it the same functionality just applied in a different context yeah I mean because we're we're integrated with with a number of applications and because we know what and we're and we're up front helping them standardize a data model it's interesting I can I can share an example we were working with one of the large um, it was a media company that was a, a result of a number of acquisitions, and what they what they ended up with, and they were public, they're a large publicly traded company. Um, what they ended up with was a situation through an audit where it came down to the fact that because they'd acquired all these different DSPs and other technologies, it was very difficult for them to actually, in an auditable way, track back the sale of, of media to the buyer and to the seller, their seller on their side. So there was this huge gap. They said it was a couple, you know, it was a $50 million problem that came up in an audit and was going to have to be disclosed in their, in, you know, in their, in their uh, um, uh, 10K and in their annual mm -hmm. report. And so they came to us saying, listen, we actually have a problem where we, we purchased all these, these uh, companies we have all this, this huge technology stack. We're trying to have our team sell across these different solutions, but we can't pay them and we are struggling to even invoice the customer. So we have sales teams selling one solution rather than this whole synergy we thought we were gonna get with a salesperson selling across multiple platforms. And so it was a totally different use, not a marketing use case, it's really a sales use case. They brought us in hmm. and what they're really trying to do was be able to map this data across these different solutions, if you wanna call it that, and or, across this organization to be able to sell, um, have a salesperson sell 
across the platform. And that's that to me is a perfect example of the challenges with data that come from kind of mergers and, and this, these acquisitions. And it's becoming more and more prevalent, especially the last 18 months. You look at the number of acquisitions that have happened and uh, across the, the, the space, the, kind of the, all these different verticals. And it's, it's a bigger and growing problem. And I think it's becoming more pr pr prominent now just because data is becoming such a bigger component of how we extract value from those acquisitions or those transactions. That's that, that's really interesting stuff. And unfortunately, it feels very overwhelming. And yeah. so before we completely run out of time, I don't want to end on the, this seems so overwhelming. I don't even know where to start. What what advice do you have uh, for those organizations out there that they're like, yes, this is definitely the kind of problem that we are dealing with. Is there anything that they can be doing on their own right now to start to wrap their arms around this kind of challenge, especially for those like mid-market organizations that may not have the resources to invest in a wholesale solution to all of this? Yeah, I, I think part of this is pulling all the constituents into a room and having a conversation around, yeah, you mentioned earlier, let's discuss what the business model is around the context. What is the, how do we describe context around the, either different applications, different channels, different use cases, and try to, try to create a common language or a common taxonomy across these, uh, all these different disparate kind of, um, I'll call it channels, applications, use cases and things. If you can start there, and some of that is, you know, some of that can be done internally. There's, there's, there's people out there that, that understand this and they understand that describing context has to be consistent and you have to have a limited set of, you know, um, options for people to select some. So it's, it's kind of narrowing down the options to the point that, they still make sense and they're still descriptive enough, but it's not, you know, so broad that they don't mean, they don't really mean anything. So I think some of that is, is around creating the standard and, and what we call taxonomy. If you can start there, some of these problems can be solved. And then you have to have a way to actually take that taxonomy and make it live, which is, you know, you, you have to be able to have the teams use this and create this. And once it, that data is captured, then it's about how do we, how do we get that data downstream into our, you know, our, our data, you know, data warehouse or the, the analytics applications and how, how do you do that? And some of that can be done manually. There's, there's ways around that. We, we've just, we've gone out and automated that whole process. That's kind of the, the, the approach we've taken to this. And that's where our, why our customers are, are purchasing because they don't want to deal with that complexity. And, and we, and we quickly help them through that. It's not a, the funny thing is it's not a huge lift. Like it's, it's shocking when we go in and tell them how quickly they can be up and running that's the part to me that's exciting is that i think people think it's complicated and when you sit down and actually explain to them the process it's all of a sudden the lights go off and they're like yes this, this is actually much i think a much simpler approach to solving this problem than we thought yeah, that, that that's great advice and and i think that you know give somebody out there an opportunity to start working on this now and, and seeing what they, they can get going forward. So we're way out of time. So Verl, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been an awesome time talking with you and learning more about this stuff. My pleasure. Thanks for having me here. Have a great new year. Thanks, you do. And thank you all for joining us today. As always, you'll find more information about our guests and links in the show notes. Go to dataleadershiplessons.com to subscribe to the podcast and check out past episodes and accelerate your journey with training at dataleadershiptraining.com. Stay safe during these unusual times and go make an impact. 